Good morning. How many of you are blessed today? All of us? Amen. So, what day is today? Sunday, I know, but 9-11. So, let's take a look at this video. My sisters and brothers, let us pray. We pray for peace. We pray that this will never, ever happen again. Bless us and all religions together in harmony as sisters and brothers of the same God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. On September 13th, uh, 2001, a uh, construction worker named Frank Seletcher of uh, local 731 laborers uh, was going to World Trade Center 6, part of the uh, recovery operation, hopefully looking for uh, live bodies. We uh, searched the whole building. It took us the better part of the whole evening. We only came up with three bodies and no survivors. While he was there, he did a double take, and he noticed right on the uh, on the ground of World Trade Center 6, there was a, uh, a structure that looked like a, a Christian cross. And I directed the firefighter that was assisting me to take a look into the pit. In the middle stood the cross. It brought such overwhelming feelings to me that it dropped me to my knees in tears. And that gave him great comfort and consolation, and he was telling people. And within 10 days later, he showed it to me, and I verified this is truly important, and this needs to be preserved and for the world to see. But on September 23rd, when I found out about the cross which Frank Celestia founded, I made an immediate phone call to First Deputy Mayor Joseph Loda that we needed to preserve the cross and keep it ground zero. Within a few moments, I got a call personally from then Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. His father, absolutely, we will keep that cross at ground zero as a reminder of God's love for all of us. Well, it brings back very, very strong memories of the days after September 11. The cross was discovered two days after. Uh, Father Jordan uh, was able to focus on it and put it in a very important place, right where all of the recovery efforts were going on. And then he would say mass there every Sunday, sometimes during the week, have other religious services there. It became like a rallying cry or a focal point for many people. I know there's all these issues about religion and. But this was beyond religion. This was a significant part of what happened in the days after September 11 that kept a lot of people going. Ladies and gentlemen, this is beyond belief. The World Trade Center buildings are gone. They are ashes. This is how we found it September 13, 2001. This is how we see it. This will be the last day we'll be outside. We've been outside for nearly 10 years. This was the worst attack in the history of the United States. It was uh, intended to break our spirit, and instead of it breaking our spirit, people emerge stronger from it. That uh, cross symbolizes that, and I'm very glad that it's going to be part of the memorial. Now the Ground Zero Cross, which has a 10-year journey, it finally has its, uh, its resting place, its final home here in the museum. The cross means to me healing, comfort, something to look for as an avenue to comfort your sorrow. Uh, help revitalize you. Got to remember, on that day, our faith was crushed. And through that cross, it helps rebuild our faith. Because terrorism took down the towers. 
but faith rebuilds our hearts. So 9-11 was the greatest attack that ever happened to the United States. And some of us probably are experiencing some sort of attack. And some of us might even have the greatest attack in our lives. But the cross symbolizes that there is always hope in Jesus. Amen? And even as this country went through that, that greatest attack in history, I am pretty sure that God is, has restored this country and is restoring a lot of churches and a lot of lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? So our faith should always be anchored on what? On the cross. And the cross is not supposed to be in the museum. The cross is supposed to be in our hearts. Because the moment we have Jesus in our lives, our lives will be different. Amen? So I don't know last Sunday if you remember this picture that I showed you. For those that were not here, very briefly, I'll, I'll tell you what happened here. Uh, every year in Europe, they have what you call the chess tournament. And there was this grandmaster. He went to the museum, and he saw this painting. And the painting is, has a title, Checkmate. Checkmate. You know what the checkmate is? A checkmate is when it's going to be the last move. It's a move where your opponent is winning over you. A checkmate is when there's no hope for you. Your king is about to be eaten or your king is about to die. So after a few minutes of staring at this, he said there's something wrong with this picture. Because he said there is still one move for the king. Friends, if your life is on a checkmate, always remember that the king has still one move. Amen? Amen. Now, probably I'd like some audience participation. I'd like everybody to say, I don't think so. Everybody. I don't think so. Oh, come on. When you say, I don't think so, say it with an attitude. Okay? Okay, that's better. When you hear the word checkmate, everybody say, I don't think so. Checkmate. When your life is at the end of the rope, and when things... Wala pa nga eh. Nawala tuloy ako sa script. When your life is at the end of the rope, and you think there's no more hope, the devil is saying, checkmate. And when the doctor said that you only have three days to live and there's no more, that's the end of it. And the devil is saying, checkmate. And you know what? Even if tomorrow you guys are about to sign the divorce paper and the devil is saying, checkmate. So with God, if the devil says, checkmate, God still has the last move. Amen? Amen? Do you believe that? Okay, wake up the, the person next to you. 
and say, checkmate. Okay. <laughs> Amen. So we have been studying the book of Exodus. And what is Exodus? Exodus means it's an exit. I'm not saying you guys go out and exit, no? Exodus means exit. Exit from what? Okay? Let me share with you the three, three sections, basic sections of the book of Exodus. The first section was when the Hebrew people were under bondage. And the second one was when they were delivered by God through his servant Moses. And the third one is the sanctification process, or it is actually the time when God uh, highlights or instructs Moses on how he wanted to be worshipped. Sin is like a jail, jail cell, except it's nice and comfortable and does seem to be even or be any need to live. Many people are in bondage of sin. Okay, and I don't know if you guys will agree with me that sin is pleasurable. Right? Because if sin is not pleasurable, you guys will not do it. Or I will not do it. Right? And many of us are in bondage of sin. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Okay, many of us, once upon a time, we were hooked into something that, may, or that made or that displeases God. Many of us are into something that, that we even don't like to be in there. However, many Christians become comfortable. And they think they don't need to get out from that, from that jail. But I'm telling you right now, there's, there's hope. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Jesus Christ came to set you and me from the bondage of sin. Jesus Christ came to set you and me from vices. Jesus Christ came to set you and me from addiction. Whatever addiction that may be, okay, Jesus Christ came to set captives free. Amen? So this morning, we're going to continue our study in the book of Exodus. And I have, I have entitled my message is, When God Seems Silent. Do you sometimes feel that God is silent? Do you sometimes feel that you have been praying to have a boyfriend for the past seven years and you're now on your last trip and up to now nobody has even asked you for a date <laughs> oh bakit kay tumitingin sa or probably you've been praying god for a baby and up to now wala pa rin God seems so silent. Or probably you've been praying for a loved one who up to now has not known Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. 
you have not even heard even a still small voice? Sabi nga kahit sit-sit, wala raw naririnig. Do you ever experience that? Or it's just me? Just me. Okay, so when God seems silent. Now let's have a review of what, of what we have learned last Sunday. Let me read from the book of Acts chapter 7. We'll start with verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they might not live. It was at this time that Moses was born, and he was lovely in the sight of God and was nurtured three months in his father's home. And after he had been set aside, set outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. The daughter of Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 2 verse 5, if we go to details, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at Nile with her maidens walking alongside the Nile, and she saw the basket among the reeds and her maid, and she brought it to her. So we learned that Moses, when he was still a baby, God saw that Moses was beautiful, or Moses was handsome, or there's something within Moses. So the parents of Moses, against the decree of the king, hid Moses for about three months. And after about three months that they could no longer hide Moses, they decided to put Moses in a basket. Probably it looks like a fruit basket, but the difference is he put some uh, uh, water tar or they put some water resistant thing so that the basket will float on the water. So they put the basket or Moses in the Nile River and the Bible says that the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at Nile. It so happened. It so happened. It so happened also that the basket was caught on the reeds. And it so happened that the crocodile did not eat Moses. Right? You know, in our lives, we experience a lot of it so happened. Sometimes we think nagkataon. But do you know that our sovereign God does not operate on nagkataon. Everything that happens to your life and to my life is orchestrated by God. Do you believe that? Your spouse, hindi yan nagkataon. Hindi yan nagkataon. God ordained your spouse to be your partner today. Even your nose, hindi yan nagkataon. Sinadyaya ng Diyos, it's customized, it's tailor-fit. 
just imagine, transfer your nose to your neighbor. How will your neighbor look like? Okay, and of course, because of technology, marami nagpaparitokin ng ilong. And the problem is, when you go to heaven, baka hindi ka makilala ni Lord. Okay? But you know, everything that happened to us is orchestrated by the Almighty and the Sovereign God. Even your children, even if you think na aksidente, nakalimutan magbilang, that child, okay, is given to you by God. And God orchestrated it. Amen? Even if you say that anak ako sa labas, you know what? God orchestrated it because God has a plan and purpose for your life. No matter what you say, God is a sovereign God and He does not operate with chances. Let's move on. So when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying and she had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. You know what baffles me? She's the daughter of the Pharaoh or the daughter of the king. And she knew what the king wanted. The king wanted to kill every baby boy. So why is it that the daughter of Pharaoh, instead of telling her dad, hey dad, this baby needs to be killed. I found it on the Nile River. What happened? She fell in love. She had pity on the boy. It so happened. And you know what? The Bible says that God can turn the hearts of the king wherever he wants it. So whatever situation we are in right now, God has a solution for that. Even if you think it's the dead end, it's the end of the rope, God has a solution for that. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go ahead. So the girl went, called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. This is a good story for maalaala mo kaya, right? Right? Baby Moses was on the Nile River. Somebody found baby Moses. And all of a sudden, this lady said, I want to have a nurse. And this lady said, call the mother. Take care of, the, take care of Moses for me. And what is exciting, I will give you your wages. You know, when God orchestrates something, God will always provide. Because God has a plan for you. God will always make a way that despite the difficulties, despite the hurdles that we have in life, God is going to bring us through those difficulties. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that? I don't hear anybody saying amen. Okay. So the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. In short, he was adopted. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. Acts chapter 7, it says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he's a man of power in words and in deeds. If Moses remained as a slave or remained with, the, with his people, do you think Moses will be able to go to school like what happened here? I don't think so. But the Bible says that Moses was educated and he learned everything or he was schooled in the best education or best university in, in Egypt. You know, sometimes God will orchestrate things for you so that you'll be able to experience the good things in life. Would you agree with me that Moses experienced the good things in life? Right? It started with, it so happened. That's why I'm telling you, let's not feel bad. If something negative happens to us, oh, Pastor Reg, you just don't understand. I am just adopted. I don't even know my parents. And I cannot understand why God allowed it. Some of us may think that way. But didn't you know that the God of the universe is the one orchestrating your life? I was born out of wedlock. And at a very young age, my mother gave me to my tita who raised me up. When I learned about that, I felt bad. I felt bitterness in my life. But you know what? It's not. It so happened. Because God is orchestrating my life. Because God has a purpose for me. And God has a purpose for your life too. Just like what happened to Moses. Okay? Look at this, a quote from Sam's storm. God is able to cause all things people do to us, even the bad things, or even, yeah, even the bad things, to work together for our good. That is in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. That isn't to say that all things are good but that God can orchestrate the evil into symphony of God's glory. So even if you look around, evil things are happening around. Know what? Because he is a sovereign God, he can orchestrate these evil things to work for his glory. Do you believe that? Let's move on. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up. And he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. I was trying to figure out how old Moses was when this happened. Okay, let's move first to verse 12. So he looked this way and that. And when he saw there was no one around, 
he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So I was trying to figure out how old was Moses during that time. Now the book of Acts answered that question in Acts 7.23. But when he was approaching the age of 40, he entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. If you will note, even the verbiage that was written here in the Bible, Moses went to visit his brethren. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Therefore, Moses is already an Egyptian. A lot of us came here as an immigrant. By virtue of the law, many of us are now American citizens. Moses was adopted. Therefore, he's already an Egyptian. But look, the Bible says that he went out to visit his brethren. Despite the fact that he was adopted as an Egyptian, Moses still remember that he is a Hebrew child. What can you think about that? Who took care of Moses? The mother. And the mother probably discipled Moses. Telling Moses that, you know, we are slaves here in Egypt. But God has promised us that he will bring us out from the land of Egypt, from bondage, and he's going to set us free. Yesterday, we had parenting seminar. What did we learn as parents? We are to disciple our children. I think this is the first recorded history of effective discipleship. Why? Because even if Moses is now an Egyptian, still in his mind and his heart, he knows that he belongs to God's people. Amen? Amen? The Bible says that if any man is in Christ, what? He is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things new. When you become a Christian, God has changed you from the old self to the new self. And whenever the devil or whenever this world is going to bind us or bound us in jail, always remember that you are the son of the living God. And as a son of the living God, no matter what happens, when you sin, when you fall into temptation, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. Your citizenship as a Christian, you still retain that. Why? Because Christ died for you and me to save you, to forgive our sins, past, present, and future. So Moses remembers that I am a Hebrew child. So he went out to visit his, his, his brethren. Or he would say he went out to visit his kababayans. And by the way, don't forget that you're still a Filipino. 
pray for our country. Some of us that are already here in the United States, we forget where we came from. I am an American citizen, but I love my country. I always pray for the Philippines. Please pray for our country. There's so many things going on in our country. Pray for our country. Remember, you still have Filipino blood. Okay, so let's move on. So he visited this, his kababayans. And what did he see? They were being oppressed. And because he loved his countrymen, Moses what? He killed the Egyptian. And he saw, and when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, the Bible says, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. He went out the next day. Probably he wanted to see if there are other kababayans that are being treated unjustly or their human rights are violated. And behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, Why are you striking your companion? But he said, Who made you a prince or a judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. So when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he tried to kill Moses. Sabi siguro na Pharaoh, wala kang utang na loob. Right? But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian and sat down by the well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Who are the Midians? According to Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 to 2, when Sarah died, Abraham again took a wife. Sarap ni Abraham, no? Sarap niya, no? Sa edad niya yun, he can still take a wife. And the name of the wife is? Ketura, not Kentucky, huh? And she bore him Zimra, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. So who are the Midians? These are the what? Among the descendants or the sons of Abraham. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood, stood up and helped them water their flock. When I was studying this, I came across uh, in the commentary, it says that actually Moses was a general of the army. He led the war against Ethiopia that Egypt actually won in that war. That means Moses was pretty strong. And according to that commentary, because of that, 
he was able to drive away the shepherds when they were trying to harass the daughters of, of, uh, of Jethro. So when they came to the well, their father, he said, why have you come back so early? So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. If you will note, they describe Moses as an Egyptian. You will always know a person or you know, my mind was playing. In here in the United States, if you see somebody with a hat and a pointed shoe, oh, he's a Mexican. Right? If you know somebody wearing gusot gusot na damit, oh, he's an American. <laughs> but when you see somebody with a tata coach or true religion, oh, he's a Filipino. Okay, probably during those times, Egyptians had certain identity that even from afar, even without asking who they were, they were able to identify an Egyptian help us. Right? So he said to his daughters, where is he then? And why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. So the father wanted to show hospitality because of what Moses did to the daughter, to his daughters. Now, verse 21, it says, Moses, since he was running away from Egypt, Moses was willing to dwell with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Then she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think Moses made the right decision by leaving the palace, running away from Egypt, and living with the people in Midian? Do you think he made the right decision? Imagine you're the prince of Egypt. Apo ka ng presidente, you're going to leave Egypt and then live with the Midianites. Do you think he made the right choice? If you were Moses, ang sarap ng buhay mo, you're a prince. And Egypt at that time, was a very powerful country. Civilization started in Egypt. They have all the technology. They have all the good education in Egypt. Moses had servants. And yet he decided, I'm going to leave Egypt and live with the Midians. Do you think that was a right decision? Yes? Okay, let's, let's find out. Hebrews 11, 24 to 25. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. 
Egypt represents sin or represents bondage in the Bible. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, he was looking to that reward. Mark 8.36 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose his own soul? Moses, instead of looking for just the pleasure in life, he was looking for an eternal perspective. You will see that even if Moses was educated or has already adopted the culture of Egypt, yet down deep inside him, he still longs to follow after God. You can see here that by faith he was willing to set aside what he has in Egypt and be with his people. He was willing to set aside the good life. He was willing to set aside the, the sin that, that grips Egypt. And he was willing to follow after Christ. And probably I would think that when he was a kid, the mother or even the father was discipling Moses and telling him, Moses, you know, we are in bondage. I think God is going to use you to lead our people out of, of bondage. And I firmly believe that that concept, that has been inculcated in the heart and in the mind of, of Moses. That is why I am also challenging the parents. Even if sometimes we think that our children are not really responding to our teachings, they're not responding to what we're saying, just don't get discouraged. Because everything that you're telling them is in their hearts. Whenever you pray for them, whenever they hear you pray, whenever you say the word of God, those words are planted in their hearts. And time will come when they grow up, they will remember them. Just like Moses. Even if he was trained in Egypt, yet the things that his parents taught him has grown in his heart. And I believe those are the things that made Moses decide that I'd rather go or follow eternal perspective rather than the good things in Egypt. Now let's move on to Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Remember he stayed or he decided to live in Midian? With the Midianites? Okay, so Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. God allowed Moses from, from being a prince in Egypt. He was now pasturing the flocks of his father-in-law. How would you imagine that you came from the high society and all of a sudden you will become a shepherd? Shepherds during those times, these are some of the least people in the society because they are always out there under the heat of the sun taking care of the sheep and, and all day long what they hear is meh. 
They don't have the luxury of an iPad. They don't have the luxury of good music. They don't have the luxury of a soft bed. What do they have? You just see ships. And he was in the wilderness. God allowed him to be in the wilderness. Now, for those of you, including me, this is how wilderness looks like. Wilderness is a place of, is a dry place. There's not much happening or comfort in wilderness. It's hot. There's no water. Would you, if you're the prince of Egypt, allow yourself, I'd go to the wilderness? Probably not. But God allowed Moses to experience wilderness experience. And you know what? That's right. <laughs> Moses stayed in the wilderness for 40 long years. Do the math. Okay? He was educated in the palace for 40 years. And the next 40 years of his life, he was a shepherd. And he lived in the wilderness. You know, one of the things, you know, when, when I was studying this, one of the reasons why God allowed Moses to live in the wilderness is for him to learn wilderness life. Because God knows, or God has orchestrated Moses to lead the Hebrew people out of Egypt, and they will be traveling through the wilderness. God needs a leader who knows the topography, who knows the geography, who knows everything about wilderness. And do you think Moses will learn wilderness if he only experienced wilderness for one week? Wilderness is dry. Some of us are experiencing wilderness in our lives. It seems like everything I do is, man, it's dry. Seems like everything I do is a failure. It seems like that when I call on God, nothing's happening. Lord, I've been serving you. Why am I experiencing this difficulty in life? Lord, I've been serving you. Why am I experiencing this sickness? You know why? God sometimes is allowing us to experience those so that God can use you to be a blessing to others. How will you talk? How will you minister to a sick person? about the grace of God, about healing, if you have not experienced that? How will you minister to couples who have rebellious children if you yourself have not experienced having children who rebelled against you? The very reason why we are here on earth is to be an extension of God's grace to other people. 
And God is, you know, training us to be a blessing to others. Wilderness experience. I do not know what we're going through right now. But you know, in the wilderness, Moses experienced being alone. Moses experienced just talking to the sheep. And the sheep would just answer back, meh. Probably at that time, Joseph was asking God, God, why am I here? Probably at that time, Moses was thinking, oh, in Egypt, I have a good life. And then the sheep will answer, meh. If it were not for the sound of the sheep, Moses cannot hear anything. Nothing. Nada. It was a dry and arid land. As I said, some of us might be going through a wilderness experience. Or I would call it the humbling experience. Graduate ako ng, kunyari, I'm a graduate, I'm a master's. Graduate ako ng sumukom laulaw and I'm here just a janitor. I was, you know, just to say, I, I went through humbling experience in my life. I've been having a good career back in the Philippines. Okay, I have people working under me. And all of a sudden, when I went to the United States, I've experienced delivering products to the store in downtown LA. And some of these people will even yell at you and disrespect you. I said, God, what am I doing here? I was a vice president in the Philippines, not vice president of the Philippines, but one of the companies there. <laughs> okay, and yet here I am. I was thinking to myself, wow, pag may nakakita sa akin, nakilala ako, nakakahiya. Why? You see those roteros from the from Coca-Cola truck? They will unload the product and pile the products at the back of the storage room. Okay? The two liters, they're too heavy. Sabi ko, Lord, nawawala ang pagka-sexy ko. Okay? Nagiging kalos yung kamay ko. Kinakamada at the back room. And sometimes I would say, Lord, what am I doing here? And you know what? Sometimes we go through things in life because what? God is teaching us something. And that was a humbling experience for me. Have you or are you experiencing some humbling experience, right? I do not know. According to my favorite, oh, let's skip this one. Mamaya na lang yan. Acts chapter 7, verse 30. So Moses, after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him. That, that's why I said he was in the wilderness for 40 years. An angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, in the flame of a burning thorn bush. Wait, 
the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Yet the bush was not consumed. When we are in our wilderness experience, God has always a way of calling our attention. So Moses sees everything in the wilderness as normal. And all of a sudden, he sees a bush that's burning. Have you seen a bush that's burning? Wala pa? Kawawa naman kayo. Okay? The brush fire, you see the trees burning. What happened afterwards? They turned into ashes. But this, in this particular case, the bush was burning. And yet, it's not, it was not consumed. You know, when we are in the wilderness, God, will, God always has a way of calling our attention. Because sometimes, because of busyness, because we think that everything is already normal, we tend to forget or sometimes become callous that we can no longer hear from God. But God has a way of calling our attention. No wilderness, no burning bush, Brother Reg, hindi naman nangyayari sa akin yan eh. But let's look what happened to Moses. Because when he was in the wilderness and when he saw that burning bush, what happens? The Lord called Moses. And oftentimes our wilderness experience is really necessary to hear the still small voice of God. We're busy and oftentimes we take God for granted. And sometimes, sometimes wilderness experience is a way of God calling our attention for us to be able to hear Him. You know, God is more, God is more particular with our character. God is more particular with changing our lives, changing our hearts than our comfort. So in the wilderness experience, we may experience this. Why? Because God is up to something and he wants to change our lives. So when Moses saw that, Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. Probably Moses was wondering, there's fire and why is it it's not consumed? I'd rather check what's going on. Right? He becomes curious. God knows how to get our attention. And sometimes this burning bush probably are the problems that we encounter in life. God allows us to go through difficulties and trials in life. This may be some unusual circumstances that may happen to us. Why? Because God is calling our attention. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. If you will notice, God started to call his name Moses. When Moses 
turned aside and went towards the bush. Right? You know, when God shows us things and when He calls our attention, God will always wait for us to move towards Him before He speaks to us. So when Moses turned aside to go towards the bush, God started to call his name Moses. Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Probably God is calling your name. Probably God is calling your name. Why? Because God has something to say to you. And when that happens, I would encourage you not to take for granted what God is doing or why God is calling us. So when he turned towards the bush, God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. This morning when I was reading this, I said, why did God ask Moses to remove his sandals? Initially, I was thinking, probably God has a Filipino culture. <laughs> Di ba, pag mga Pinoy, naguhubad ka na sapatos pagpapasok sa bahay? Right? Or probably Japanese? But you know what? Removing of sandals during those times is just like showing respect to the person that they're talking to. Okay? In today's culture, what do we do? We remove our hats. Right? Or sometimes people will hold their hats like this as a show of respect. So at that time, God told Moses, remove your sandals. Why? What was the reason? Because the place where he's standing is a holy ground. You know what? Where the presence of God is, that place becomes holy. Do you know that God is here? Therefore, this place is holy. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus came into your life. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, therefore, we are holy. Bakit hindi ninyo masabi? Where the presence of God is, that place becomes holy. I was watching, I love to watch movies about the President of the United States riding the airplane or inside Air Force One. I get to learn, understand, that he has a designated plane and it's called Air Force One. However, if Air Force One is down and it takes on another plane, that, become, that plane becomes Air Force One. Same is true with our lives. When Jesus came into our lives, our lives become 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 why? 
because His presence resides in us. And God wants Moses to remove his sandals. Why? Because sometimes sandals represent ourselves. Sometimes sandal represents sin. And God wants Moses to step barefoot in his presence. When God wants to have a relationship with us, God wants only him and nothing in between. What are the in-betweens in our lives? It can be our pride. It can be our career. It can even be our spouse. It can be our boyfriend. It can be our girlfriend. It can be our family. It can be money. It can be anything that will go in between you and God. Anything in between you and the presence of God is a sandal that will hinder the flow of God's presence in our lives. Amen? He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. From time immemorial, when God introduced himself, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. That means our God is an eternal God. He is the God of Abraham from millions or thousands of years ago. And he is still the God that we have today. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If there was a God before who was able to heal the blind, there is still a God now that is able to heal the blind. If there was a God before able to set the captives free, the same power is available for each and every one of us to set us free. Nobody can set us free except Jesus Christ. No matter what we do, kahit pilipitin mo ang leeg ng anak mo para magbago, that person will not change apart from Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Who was He yesterday? He was the God who performed miracles, right? Who was He yesterday? He was the God who opened the womb of Sarah. Who was God yesterday? He was the God who promised Abraham, who was already old. And in fact, after Sarah, nagkaroon pa siya ng anak, ng asawa. Kita nyo yan? God can do it. 
If I was able to do it yesterday, today, He can still do it. Today, He can still do it. You've been praying for a baby. In time, God is going to open that womb. I do not know why God is not giving you a baby. He's a sovereign God. I do not know why God is not healing you right now. But He's a sovereign God. He knows what He's doing. And in fact, He's not panicking whenever He sees what we're going through right now. And you know what? He's still the God tomorrow. He's going to be our God forever who will perform the same miracles, who will do wonders for each and every one of us. Only if we have faith and believe in Him. Amen? Amen. So He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of, of, of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And probably I would encourage us, the God, state your name. The God of Reggie. He's my God. And that sovereign God wants to have an intimacy the sovereign God wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmaster, for I am aware of their sufferings. God is aware of your sufferings right now. God is aware how much cash you have in your wallet right now. God is aware that you were not able to pay your credit card this week or this month. God is aware that the bank has already called you and they said they're going to repossess your house. God is aware that the doctor, what the doctor told you last week. God is aware. God is aware. And he knows what you're going through right now. He knows what wilderness experience we are going through right now. Because what? He is a compassionate God. So he said, So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from the land of good and spacious land to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the, pestis, the, the Perisite, And the Hivite, the Jebusites, and the Bresites. I'm sure there are a lot of ites in our lives, right? Oh, it's just me. Just me, okay. But God said, He promised, I have come down to deliver them. Moses was just an instrument used by God to deliver the Hebrew people from Egypt. Probably some of you, God will use an instrument to reach out to your family members in the United States. That's why you're here. And in fact, that also came to, a con to my conclusion. I asked, God, why did you send me to the United States? And you know what, when I move here, I was surprised. Within 10 mile radius, my immediate relatives 
are, are living within the 10 mile radius. And these are the people who have closed themselves from God. And in fact, some of my relatives I have, have attended service. I have, I have a cousin who I started to, to disciple. And in fact, I've been discussing with her, natigil nga lang ngayon, discussing with her already the biblical foundation one. And I came to the conclusion, the reason why God sent me to the United States. Why? Because he wanted to use me to reach out to my relatives. You may have relatives right now that are here in the United States who are also in bondage. God said, I have come down to deliver them. He has come down to deliver them through you. You may be the, the new generation Moses, or you may be called the modern Moses in your family. Don't hesitate. Listen to him. When we go through or when we are in the wilderness, look at the bush. Come close to the bush and listen to that still, small voice. Again, as I mentioned earlier, God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't think, do things by chance. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. According to Oswald Chambers, he said, Why are we so terrified lest God, least God should speak to us? Because we know that if God does speak, either the thing must be done or we must tell God we will not obey him. Sometimes the reason why we don't want God to talk to us because we know for the fact that what God wants us to do, he don't want to release. That's why when we talk to God, it's either we obey or we resist God. God is telling us, surrender your life to me. Yes, Lord, I will surrender my life to you. Let me see your wallet. Lord, not my wallet. My wife will get angry. Okay? But I am challenging right now. Listen to that still small voice and obey and follow what he's telling us to do. According to Christine Kane in her book, God is able to make the mess of our past. God is able to take the mess of our past and turn it into a message. He takes the trials and tests and turns them into a testimony. Whatever our past is, God will take those past and turn it into a message. What message? Message of love. Message of grace. 
message of good news, message of hope. And he can turn the trials that we went through in life and make it a testimony. What kind of testimony? The goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. Even though we are in the wilderness, we still can see the goodness of the Lord in our lives. So if we look at the life of Moses, for the first 40 years, he underwent palace training. Right? Because in the book of Acts, it said that when he was 40, he visited his people. And for the second 40 years, he went through wilderness training. And the third 40 years, that's when he started to apply what God has taught him. In life, in life, before God gives us the success, God will make sure that we go through training. What kind of training? The wilderness experience is one of them. Just like building a, a, a huge or a tall building. When they build the building, what do they do? They excavate deep. I believe it is double the height of the building to serve as foundation for that building so that it will not collapse. If you have seen a bamboo tree, a bamboo tree for many years, you will not see a sprout go out of that, of that soil. Mind you, the tree is not dead. But the tree, the roots of the tree are going down. So that when that bamboo goes out, it can resist all the things, the environment, the wind. It can resist the, the, the difficulties in life. Why? Because the roots are rooted down on the ground. Sometimes when you are in dark places, you think that there's nowhere to go. And you think that you're already buried. Note, God is in the process of making sure that you are planted, grounded, so that when you bear fruit, you will resist, you'll be able to resist all the difficulties, all the trials, all the hardships in life. Amen? Okay, so next Sunday, we will continue our study on the book of Exodus. And Exodus is a very nice, nice book. I encourage you, okay? Unahan ko, read the book of Exodus. We will, we will really appreciate the love of God in our lives if we are able to understand how the Hebrew people Okay, experience the love of God in their lives in the book of Exodus. Amen? Did you learn something this morning? So what did we learn? Okay, now, I want us to, to go to our respective groups. And I want us to share what we have learned this morning. But before we do that, Okay, you know in CCF, we don't pass around the offering plate or the offering basket, if you would like to call it that way. But there's a huge 
not a huge. There's a box at the back where you can drop your tithes and your offerings. Okay, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. So if you are led by the Lord to give one million, the spelling of million is M-I-L-L-I-O-N. But if God is leading you to give a dollar, so be it. Because God looks at the heart. Amen? Amen? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the things that we have learned this morning. Lord God, despite the, the times, Lord God, where we feel that you just don't hear us, or sometimes you seem so silent. But thank you, Lord, for the assurance that you are always with us. Thank you, Lord God, for you promising your words that heaven and hell shall pass away, but your words will not return to you void. And I pray for, for us, Lord God, who are still in bondage. We ask, dear Father God, that you will set us free. Set us free, Lord God, from, from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of financial difficulties. Set us free, Lord God, from, uh, from health problems. Set us free, Lord God, from relationship issues, Lord God. For we know you are the God, and it's only your power who can deliver us from all of these bondages. We thank you, Lord God, for we know that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us this week. I pray, Lord God, that Lord, we will walk in your ways and in your statutes, Lord God. And will you release, Lord God, your blessing upon each and every one of us so that when we are faced, Lord God, with difficulties, even as we are faced, Lord God, with uh, the trials and temptation, Lord God, People around us will see that indeed you are good despite the fact that we are going through wilderness experiences in our lives. Lord God, bless each and every one of us and bless, Lord God, the remaining, Lord God, of our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I know you iba wanted to go home, but please, I would encourage you, stay, join a group, okay? And we will have some discussion uh, 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 activities this morning. So the first one is share some praise reports with your group, group mates, so they too can be encouraged on God's goodness. And answer this question, have you gone through any wilderness experience in your life? Okay, and what have you learned about it? Thank you very much and good morning. <laughs>